Hey folks, and welcome to the Daily Ratings Podcast, a show where each week we sit down with Vincent Daly to get his thoughts on the latest movies he's been watching, both older films and new releases. And don't worry, there's no spoilers. Vince will give a brief review of the movie, share some thoughts, and of course, then rate the film. The Daily Ratings are always fair, honest, and most importantly, they're consistent. On today's show, Vince will be rating and reviewing... Escape from New York by John Carpenter, Escape from L.A. by John Carpenter, Fantastic Mixer Fox, directed by Wes Anderson, Doubt by John Patrick Shanley, and newly released Godzilla vs. Kong by Adam Wingard. So stay tuned and enjoy the show. Mr. Vincent Daly, how we doing, buddy? Tom is Rucker. How's it going? <laughs> it's going okay. How was your uh, week of movies? A uh, week of movies was good. Uh, honestly, for something, something in me compelled to tap into some old lists and uh, get basically a few of the movies that I've had on a list that I want to touch on this director, want to touch on this cinematographer, sure, and, yeah. and chip into each of them. So excited to talk about them, and uh, excited to talk about the newest release, Godzilla vs. King Kong. Absolutely. Uh, you know, whether you're the HBO Max type or you're in the in-theaters type, you know, it's uh, it should be a good time. But we can go ahead and get cracking into the oldest first. Absolutely. Let's start with Escape from New York. 1981, John Carpenter. So both of these uh, started wanting to find as much as possible about John Carpenter's directing his films. I am a huge fan of The Thing uh, and making sure that I can give every director a fair shake. As far as their cinematography, as far as their... uh, Yeah, I mean, you just kind of want to... You give them their due. Yeah, exactly. You Uh, go into it with an open mind. I mean, I love that you did the escapes. You did both escapes together. Because I was not a fan of something like a cult classic like They Live. Uh, Escape from New York, Escape from L.A., classic movies, definitely cult classic movies. I think for Escape from New York, there is a dimension out there that this is a masterpiece uh we do not live in that dimension though <laughs> so it's, a, it's got a cult following uh yes uh it's very odd because it, the in 1981 i don't think it was going for like a post-apocalyptic style like you would associate to maybe like a mad max or something like that at the time so the apocalyptia uh, the flavor of the film yeah yeah it is it's odd. It's like vaudeville almost. You know, the 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 type of chaotic or the the type of denizens of the city. Uh, they are very theatrical. They're not really like punks or thugs or bikers like you would expect in in a movie like this. And like you see in the sequel, which is much more mainline as okay. far as uh, what it's after with the styling. Escape from New York though has some. God awful acting. <laughs> I know it's what you're signing up for, but wow, is this is this movie got some terrible acting to it. It's a real shame because uh, our 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 sleeper hit, uh, Lee Van Cliff. Love Lee Van Cleef. Yep, yep. He is he he pops up now and again. Well, first of all, he's in the Sergio Leone movies. Yep, yep. 
And then he's also, I mean, I love The Rifleman, as you know mm-hmm. the show. Mm-hmm. He plays he plays a great kind of bad guy in that sometimes. He plays multiple characters in different, he just pops up. Yeah. You know me, a Western fan. Yeah. So he always pops up in different stuff I'm watching. Not good, though? Not it? good. He's got the looks of a great film. I know. He even looks kind of bad in it. I don't know if it's, uh, by the time in 81, he's <laughs> falling out of shape or what whatnot. what about uh, Kurt Russell, then? Uh, Kurt Russell, uh, I mean, about as much charisma on the screen as a <laughs> a plank of wood with a couple nails. It's such it. a shame. It's yeah. It's it is, not it is his such best. a shame. Yeah, and and pro- I would say again, iconic, and for that reason, I think there is a viewing of this film that you can say, oh, but it's it's really about the style. If you really don't go in with expectations, it's something special. But man, uh, it, it is it is a bad movie, nonsensical, really. <laughs> and uh, I'm I'm glad I watched it because I I knew Escape from L.A. was in my mind a worse film. I always thought Escape from New York was better. I uh, was really challenged by putting these two up back to back. A couple other notes: music, very cool, very early John Carpenter. He's on the synth himself for these uh, soundtracks, much yeah. like Halloween. Very cool, and, very cool. Yeah, uh, a little out of place though. It's <laughs> it's it's like uh, I don't know. It's 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 very odd uh, when it's put put in sometimes. And I really just tried my darnness to like this film, but it is absolute shit. It is no good, no good. We don't usually get. This low uh, of a rating for the daily ratings, I just want to reiterate, if we're talking about an 80, that is a must-see, go out of your way to watch this. If we're talking about a teens, it is Ooh. a must-avoid. Uh, we'll give Escape from New York no. a 17. Oh, my God. <laughs> Escape from New York, 17%. 17%. It is. I mean, honest. I really <laughs> tried to like it, too. I Because uh, we were talking. Uh, Honestly, if you tell me the premise, if you tell me the basic plot, <laughs> The synopsis of it, and you give me Kurt Russell, Lee Van Cleef, I'm thinking, this movie's got to be at least okay. Right, 80s, you know, yeah, absolutely. How disappointed were you then? Uh, very. Because uh, we were ta- uh, folks, we were talking before like the you, show. I would have just been sad at the end. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit maddening, uh, is, is the feeling. We were talking before the, show, before the show, folks. I mean, I'm a huge Metal Gear Solid fan, and the, the, the history of this is that Metal Gear Solid uh, was inspired, or at least the main character, Snake, was inspired. Yeah. Yeah, this, ca- th- it, this movie kind of kicked it off. Or catapulted at least... one of the best gaming franchises Absolutely. of all time. At least in my belief. Absolutely. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, that's. Uh, I'm not even a gamer, but I know that. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, rough stuff. So let's go ahead and go into Escape from L.A. Uh, Escape from L.A., the sequel. And to, to give you some of the background here, this is a 15-year gap. Between yeah, eighty-one to ninety-six, absolutely, and it's 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 rough because you think with that amount of time, one who's asking for this? I mean, certainly I wasn't in the audience base in. in so 96. when did the first Metal Gear come out? Uh, first Metal Gear was late eighties uh, on the Nintendo, and then okay, late eighties. Yeah, because Escape, Escape from New York came out in eighty-nine. So they rushed that game out based on no, that character? No, it's not based off of it. Uh, inspired, really, by. Okay. Yeah. Totally different. I'm and ju- there's. I'm just wondering, what was the big... Was Metal Gear 2 around that? I'm wondering, because what you said, what spawned it, I am assuming it might have to be the love for Snake. I, I think it is just literally... I mean, it's not the same character. It's literally just taking the main character 
as the name Snake, and then it is Hideo Kojima who creates the Metal Gear series, right? Uh, and, and has it inspired from there. Uh, there's some overlap. There's some sequences where they talk in on a radio, which is very similar to the okay, game, okay, but totally separate. Other than that, so story as far wise. as um, New York, so as far as LA goes, did the so I mean, a- did the bad acting overlap? Imagine 15 years. Imagine 15 years of time has passed since the since a sequel no one was asking for. I would imagine, <laughs> and you could say, oh, this is fun. You know, we're returning to this world. Uh, it's pretty outrageous. Obviously, by 96, there was a lot more heavy hitters as far as action, you know, campy 80s Great, great movies, mid, mid to late 90s, great movies coming out. Absolutely. Big blockbuster films. So, you know, probably exciting to return to the IP and, 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 and have new ideas. When I tell you this is the exact same story... Almost to the point of no. parody. <laughs> what was the point? I don't know. Who is asking for it? That that's the that's the review for Escape from L.A. Uh, it appears to be better on the surface. Uh, it has a more cohesive style. You know, the the bedlam, the the apocalyptia of L.A. is much more the punk. You know, uh, Mad Max type style. There, there's a. Uh, there's much more of a an associable style with what you're seeing on the screen where with New York it's very odd. You don't really say, "Wow, this is what okay. a rundown city would look like." It's it's very odd in New York. With LA, it's much more streamlined to that style cuz he's probably just going off of contemporaries at the time, you know. Yeah. And plus uh, does it make a difference because LA is such a more um it's not as a compact city, and it's spread out a little bit more. Did that did that change up the movie a little bit? Maybe th- there's definitely it, so a lot more jumping around the city, and there, there's a specific part, for instance, that's in Beverly Hills that is run by crazy people obsessed with you know facial reconstruction okay. and yeah, whatnot. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, th- there appears, and I really want to lean into appears to be better quality, better style to it. Yeah. But it is all thrown out because as soon as the film is separating itself from the exact same plot of Escape from New York, as soon as it tries to achieve something else, there are these god-awful 90s sports action sequences. Uh, folks, there is basketball I in remember, this film. I remember, I've seen... Ten minutes of this film, and it was the basketball scene. There's basketball. There's a surfing sequence. Uh, it is so like rocket power '90s. It's not even funny. Sounds, uh, sounds kind of great. Yeah, <laughs> right. I, I wish it was. I, I it was. It, it's a tough one. It's a tough one, and that's that's. It's such a shame because I think, on the whole, the film does do a lot better at telling the story of uh, you know sending this this criminal this criminal turned soldier into an area and then having his government turn on him uh, I think it tells it better but boy uh, is it just every time there's something goes right two things go wrong with the film and it's rough <laughs> what are we, I can't wait uh, oddly enough uh, for that reason it is both much better. And much worse. Okay. There's 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 significant moves in in both directions that it corrects from Escape from New York and gets much worse from Escape from New York. So we're gonna give from Escape from L.A. a twelve. Oh my God! It is worse. These are these are but these are uh, these are stinkers. Yeah, these are definitely stinkers. Absolutely. Uh, wow. And to take the exact 
rating instruction of an 80 to make sure you make time to find yeah, no, a no way good. to watch these films M- make time to avoid <laughs> these films these these truly i mean really the justification there is that even with the cult following these were not worth the time i put into it uh, which wow. is a shame. For yeah, sure. I mean, these are bad. These are these are bad scores. Absolutely, two in a row, too. Boy, Absolutely. that's very rare. Well, hey, we're filling up the that bottom level. We gotta gotta flesh it all tier. out. We gotta you know we gotta give perspective with everything. Well, okay, let's jump from seventeen to twelve. Let's see if we can get any worse from there. Uh, Mr. Fox, fantastic, Mr. Fox, fantastic, Mr. Fox. So this one is interesting. Uh, this is uh, Wes Anderson, obviously a director that I quite like as far as you know. Taking a look at some of his filmography with uh, Grand Budapest, big fan of Royal Tenenbaums, uh, a big fan of Life Aquatic. But when it comes to some of his animated features, which I believe there's only two of them, uh, I wanted to give a, give a chance to. I think uh, secondary animation or even Western animation, mm-hmm. uh, stop motion animation, really a big standout right now. I look at trendsetters like Kubo and the Two Strings from... Yeah, big time, big time. Uh, Lakitu, I think the studio is. Uh, don't quote me on that, but I, I wanted to give it a shot because this was one of the earlier ones. A very, very entertaining film. I think uh, the standout of Fantastic Mr. Fox are the charming characters and the fact that it keeps the focus just on the characters. It's exactly where you want it to be with George Clooney and these... You know, real world, uh, real world analogs or real world parallels in in the in like a Fox world, which is great. Uh, I think it's a wonderful film as far as how it's structured too, because you really are rooting for uh, what is normally, uh, I think, a very vicious type of character as far as like a fox. You you describe it as a carnivore or or even like a prowler, but having a character as charming and with George Clooney behind the wheel it, it is a wonderful time uh, and a really a really good standout I will say that as far as what I'm looking towards and what I'm interested to play the game in comparing to what is another is another Wes Anderson animated film I should have rated Isle of Dogs already Isle of Dogs is of course his newer release uh, and his second venture into uh, the animated sphere, I think. Yeah, Isle of Dogs was came after, correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah many. Uh, well, not many years, but a good amount of years after, five to seven range. As far as Isle of Dogs, I remember disliking it because well, not disliking it, but not liking it as much as I yeah, actually. I do thought I remember talking about you after you you saw that in theaters, and I mm-hmm. thought you a little lackluster on it. I thought you found it very. Was it heartwarming? I mean, maybe it was a while ago now. I thought you enjoyed it. Come, step, I mean, I talked to you soon after seeing it. Maybe you were on a bit of a high from it. Yeah. And after thinking about it, you felt differently. Yeah. Was I, it heartwarming? Was it heartwarming? I just think it, the exact... My, my point about the focus kept on the characters that we care about and the characters that we want to see on, on, on screen, Isle of Dogs slipped up with that because it, it tried to juggle this real-world plot with the dog plot. When it comes to Fantastic Mr. Fox, that's not a problem. And I think as far as us playing the game uh, of which is going to rank higher uh, or where I think it's going to be positioned higher, I think Fantastic Mr. Fox is going to rank pretty significantly higher than Isle of Dogs in comparative works of Wes Anderson. Okay. Other than that, uh, other things to note, animation is a bit low budget. I think that's also important to note in that 
the type of movie that I'm looking at here is looking at Western stop-motion animation uh, like a Kubo where the production value has been so astronomically high. Uh, this is 2008, and probably a lot more toned back, no less the first jaunt into uh, stop-motion animation for Wes Anderson as a, uh, as a director. We're going to go ahead and give Fantastic Mr. Fox a 78. Okay, 78, very good. Yeah, Isle of Dogs got 70, so... Yeah. Okay, all right, that's, that's good, that's good. All right, 78, yeah, definitely a very good score, though. I'm definitely into seeing that, I have not... It wasn't on my radar at all, actually. Fantastic well, yeah, it kind of uh, obviously is is pushback 2008 uh, as far as, you know, uh, yeah. for a while. Not many not many films of the 2000 aughts, I think, can stand out because there's so much out there for uh, in the last couple of years, but uh, especially when it comes to this animation uh, piece. But we'll go ahead and move on. And I believe 2007 or 2008, Similar year, actually. Yeah, uh, released 2008, and we're talking about Doubt. Yes. I didn't even plan that. Doubt, I landed on my radar because Roger Deakins. Roger Deakins, uh, a top, top cinematographer for me, uh, really like what he does as far as shot composition, color composition. Uh, you'll see him finally getting an Oscar nomination for Blade Runner, the most recent Blade Runner, and then also mm. 1917. Oh, uh, did he? Yes. Okay. And an Oscar win, nominated hundreds of times probably, but, well, that's that's embellished, but, yeah, a, a really big fan. So rather than go about in the director's style, I wanted to look at some of his works, and Doubt is a star-studded film. It really is, yeah. I mean, we're talking Meryl Streep, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Amy Adams, Viola Davis. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, uh, I mean, a pretty fascinating movie because it's not so much a really compelling movie to look at what's happening on screen. This is definitely what some would call Oscar bait because of how much talking, how much dialogue there is to it. There is a lot there that is left to the conversation that's supposed to spawn off of this film. And I think it's a, it's a fascinating wash because of that conversation piece. The conclusion that is left that you're left with uh, at the end of Doubt is definitely meant to leave a final piece that you're discussing with whoever you're watching the film with, who is right, who is wrong, and I think it's a, it's a interesting movie to look at in that way. For that reason, though, the screenplay mm -hmm. is absolutely the strength here. That's uh, got to be, yeah. Yeah. Well, as, and how it, the delivery as well has to be good. Yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman is fantastic. So it's ridiculous. Uh, Meryl Streep, fantastic. You know I'm a fan of Amy Adams. Yeah. This is, I believe, a little bit earlier in her in her career, but... Uh, yeah, for her, I would say, kind of, yeah. Yeah. Uh, she had so many hits after this. I mean, right. She, she's really doing quite on a streak there. And I, I love Viola Davis, too. Absolutely. She's phenomenal on screen. <laughs> and she, if I'm correct, she got the Oscar nomination for one or two scenes in the film, but mm. she's that powerful. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's there's... A lot of compellingness to the screenplay, but almost ironically, for what I was focused on this film and why it was on my list, to watch how the shot composition is, to watch what Roger Deakins was doing behind the camera, uh, it was not the most interesting to watch. And I kind of that, that kind of left me a little disappointed, if I'm being honest, that there wasn't more to the entertainment factor of why is this a movie versus just a play. And it was uh, once a play. He, 
I believe so. Yeah, I believe. I, I think be- it was a play first John or Patrick simultaneous. Sh- and John Patrick Shanley wrote the screenplay and the play, I believe. Yeah, and directed them. Yeah. Wow. So I mean, talk about involvement. I mean, that's his baby, basically. Yeah. yeah. Was it very? Did it come across as kind of Glen Gary, Glenn Ross, where it's like, oh, this is a play. Um, and because the actors and the and the and the writing, this is coming off very. It's it's a classic movie as well. I, I and think well done. I think maybe a little bit better uh, as far as does it does it really need to be a movie as far as the the sure. medium uh, versus a play? I think ultimately though it wasn't something that I was looking at and I was saying, wow, I have to keep my eyes on the screen every you know every moment. There are a lot of interesting uses of. Uh, actions that characters do that set their time place, that set their mentality about current events that are happening in the film, which I think is very interesting, but by no means is keeping your eyes on the screen as much as it as, as I would say with any other film. And that's really is what's landing me in probably a much more lukewarm reception of this film mm. than I would have for... You know, a lot of what would be considered, again, Oscar bait. It's not really a, a, a stab at it, but, you know, kind of understand for what it is. It's about, it's a platform for actors to be putting on excellent performances. The performances are there. I just I just feel that I'm lukewarm on the movie itself, yeah. on, the, on the end product. The performances there and the writing's there. Absolutely. But as far as it on screen, yeah. Absolutely. Certainly, uh, you know, I think worth your time. If you're interested in the subject matter of doubt, I think it's absolutely going to be something that you can take time to to watch or if it, you haven't seen it already. But for me, is it something that you have to make time for? Is it something that is a must watch? No. And that's where I land with doubt at a 73. Okay, 73, not bad. Yeah, that makes sense the way you were talking about it. Definitely a should watch, though, basically. It's kind of how... Well, not, not, not a should watch, not but... Not a should uh, watch, but uh, definitely a good movie. No, it's a should watch. Man. I mean, 80s, yeah. 80s are much must-watches. You know sure, what I mean? Sure, right. Yeah, it's a should watch. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely interested in it, for sure. Yeah. Uh, especially Philip Seymour Hoffman. He's just so phenomenal. Okay, so 73% on that. But with that, before we transition into the now playing, would you like to... Uh... Yeah, this is when we would step into our kind of... This is where we're going to take a break in the podcast. It's one of, we'll explain, it's one of our earlier podcasts. So in between our kind of older films and ones that are just been released in theaters, this is when we want to take a time to thank our producers. We call it basically the producer segment. And we just want to take a little bit of time here. And those of you who donated will read your name, uh, unless you want to be anonymous and say you want to be anonymous and we won't say your name. But we'll give you a shout out and then we'll say how much you donated. The way we take donations is through PayPal, and you can write a little note there, and we'll read your little note. We don't want to break here and do ad breaks for mattresses or for... For sure. Yeah, random food packages and meat and, you know, (laughs) just shilling products that we don't care about, but we want the money because our pockets are empty. What we want to do is kind of, we want to create a little, I don't know, a little daily ratings tribe here where we go by the value for value model. Basically, that states is, you know, if you found value in the podcast, in our website, thedailyratings.com, if you kind of find yourself listening to us, going to the site to check out movies that you're interested in, you like what you see, you like what you hear, and it's a good product in your mind, uh, give a little kickback to us. Any donation, any amount that you want to give, if you want to do it, you know, large or small, if you want to do small monthly or go on our payment plans, we would 
apps we would hugely appreciate it it mm-hmm. would mean the world to us absolutely we're very new at this uh we're trying to really build this build to the film catalog be we want to be a great database uh, the reason why we started this is because we weren't really happy with places like rotten tomatoes and such or such scoring things that people kind of go on imbd or something like that uh, it seemed like everything wasn't grounded there's no rules on rotten tomatoes first mm-hmm. of all you look at the crazy 100s versus the lower scores it's just p- people constantly disagree mm-hmm. and even though people might disagree with you we want to be dis- we want to be consistent here. Sure, you know where we're coming from. You know where the scores come from, and it's a great gauge to go off of. Whether you agree with you or not, absolutely. you can absolutely be a gauge off the films here, the daily ratings. So again, if you enjoy this a little bit, uh, if you see or find yourself going to the site, please just just you know give a little kickback to us. It means the world. It really does. And you can go to the dailyratings.com. You can go to the donations tab. And again, it's just through PayPal. If you want to leave a note, go for it. You want to be anonymous, just say, hey, I want to be anonymous, but I appreciate what you're doing. Here's some money. Pretty much enough on that. So we'll continue with our film that either just came out, now in theaters. And we're going to go with Godzilla vs. Kong. Godzilla vs. Kong, the epic finale of the, uh, <laughs> the, the uh, not Universal Monsters, but the, the Godzilla Kong cinematic universe that they're trying to spawn off. Really, very straight up, you know what you're signing up for when looking at this film. If you're interested in the... Films coming off of King of Monsters and the Godzilla reboot. Very structurally similar uh, as far as the fights, as far as how involved human characters are uh, to driving the plot along. I think that is a main factor here. If you are looking for fights, 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 a la obviously what I would consider still kind of holding the crown jewel uh, Pacific Rim, or maybe even uh, if you're a hardcore Godzilla fan to fall into the Shin Godzilla camp, this is not breaking the mold in any sort of way. Uh, It does break the mold on the Kong side. I don't believe for the better. Kong Skull Island, I think, was an interesting structured film um, as far as the adventure, maybe even the kind of, I don't know, lack of a better words, Indiana jones vibe to it. It did have a vibe to it. It had a fun kind of cool vibe. You're in the jungle. It kind of looked nice. I wasn't a fan of the movie, but it it did have kind of a cool vibe to it, yeah. Yeah, Uh, but when it comes to... Looking at Godzilla vs. Kong as a film, I don't think this is anything, and if anything, kind of a roughly a, a, a stage downward, kind of a de-ramp from coming off of uh, King of Monsters, uh, the second Godzilla film in this franchise. Uh, and definitely, I think, a, a kind of a, a, a ramp down as well when it comes to Kong Island. Uh, bottom line, I think... When it comes to the human elements, uh, I want to see them de-emphasize and just pack in more fights. There is so much hoop jumping to have these characters bring Kong or or jump to set piece to set piece for even set pieces that I don't even find that interesting as far as the fights themselves. And when the fights themselves happen... It over ultimately feels underwhelming because what you want to basically just it's a mon- you're going to see a monster movie exactly and all you want to do is see monsters absolutely fight. I mean and sure the arena if how, you want to call that the settings sure. of these uh, sure that makes sense that it's important so they want to kind of uh, uh, setting hop or or place jump around the world to have this 
but uh, again, get me there with the monsters. Don't get me there with the humans. Yeah, I, w- was the pacing all over the place? Uh, I think the scene jumping was just the uh, scene jumping was all over useless. the place, especially early on in the film. Uh, they really do. You, you're seeing uh, text scroll across the screen. Yeah. you know, pretty much every every just day. unnecessary. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Especially when again. Understand the audience. They're signing up for this fight. They're signing up for the you know multi the the title match between these two. It, it was true. It's years in the making for the pro- for this promise basically exactly. of where we're going to see these two go at it. Exactly, exactly. And and so much is emphasized on the humans, and and their goals and how it relates to it. Don't tell me that. Uh, it, it's it's, <laughs> yeah. a, it's don't don't tell me. I don't need that. You know, may, if anything. Uh, leave it mysterious. Uh, leave it unknown. I think that is maybe, you know, obviously I'm not behind the, the wheel on these films, but maybe that makes for a more provocative uh, monster film when it's unknown. Maybe it's a little scary for that reason without even leaning into a horror. You know, that, 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 that you know, leave something to the imagination uh, while still giving this visual action that they want to see. Or that the audience wants to see. Certainly I wanted to see, and I think, unfortunately, it comes out once again, not to overuse the phrase, but a lukewarm uh, <laughs> type of type of conclusion to this cinematic universe. I highly doubt this will be the last one uh, with how much money they've been throwing at this and building towards it. Yeah, is there it. a plan to keep going in this I same honestly franchise? I wouldn't doubt maybe they're... Is one more movie in the tank for each of these? But then again, I don't know. I mean, it's all in the money, and I I believe well, COVID messed everything up too with mm-hmm. the direct direct release. It it's, wasn't a huge box office success. Mm-hmm. It did okay, but I believe they were kind of dwindling. Yeah, uh, I well, the thing is with HBO Max, the numbers are all hidden on HBO Max's side. Uh, they obviously have who is signing yeah, up. Yeah, but overall reception is just it's like yeah, it's it's just not the excitements. I felt like they could have done so much more with them. Yeah. That's all. I think to that point, it's not also selling HBO Max subscriptions. So, you know, uh, I don't think it's... it's No, there's a lot more doing that. Yeah, exactly. So, but with that said... Middle of the road, not necessarily the worst thing uh, you could you could spend your time on, but certainly nothing stellar. We're gonna give Godzilla versus Kong a forty-seven. Forty-seven, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. If you want, if yeah, if you want an okay monster movie, when you wish come away wishing there was more monsters, forty-seven, that kind of makes sense. Absolutely, and, and and yeah, the monsters did look pretty good. I did see it; mm-hmm. it, it they looked pretty good. As far as yeah. visually, uh, there were some complaints, and that Godzilla looks like a little chubby baby, kind of. <laughs> he does, yeah, and more up. lizardish, for yes, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of uh, you know dinosaur, but yeah. but uh, okay. Is there anything else you like to add, Ben? I think that's it. Uh, I think uh, I is that am, a wrap. Uh, uh, that is a wrap. I, I'm interested in ta- uh, diving into some more Wes Anderson films, maybe touching on some other aspects of. Uh, uh, of cinematographers that I want to tap into because we've touched on a lot of directors and going through them, but excited to chip them in and, uh, of course, the new releases to make sure that you're watching movies on curve and watching smart. Very cool. Hey, thanks for coming by, Vin. Hey, thanks for having me. Alrighty, folks. So just a quick recap here. We have Escape from New York, 17%. Escape from L.A., 12%. Fantastic Mixer Fox, 78%. Doubt at 73%. The newly released Godzilla vs. Kong at 47%. So we appreciate it, folks, and we'll see you next time. Bye.
you enjoyed the podcast, if you would, give us a good rating or tell a friend about us. If you're wondering if a film is worth a watch or if you'd just like to see more movie ratings from Vince, be sure to stop by thedailyratings.com where we have our ever-expanding catalog of films. Also, if you found value in the podcast or our site, become a producer. Go to the donations tab on thedailyratings.com. You can donate whatever amount of value that you feel you received from our products. You'll get a producer mention on the next podcast episode, too. We're looking to build this into something large and great, but also be independent from those corporate sponsors. So we greatly appreciate any support from you all. So thanks so much, and we'll see you next time on the Daily Ratings Podcast. Thank you.